And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Wow, what, what a richness, what a blessing to be here this morning. Uh, it's all so good, how do I start? But to God be the glory, all I know. I know he found me, and I know that he cares. Wow. The Lord is good. It's good to be among you, and it's just such a blessing to be here. Uh, we'll turn in just a moment to Mark, the fourth chapter. Uh, but I need to give a personal word of announcement. Granddaughter Sophie is here as of Friday <laughs> afternoon. Thank you, thank you. If you'd please exit to this side of the auditorium when we concluded, and you can see her photo on my phone. <laughs> we'll make sure we check you all off and make sure you've seen that. Uh, but she and Mama are well and so on. Um, I'll be joining you for lunch, but I'll slip out a little bit before the auction if you would be so gracious and be a part of taking Big Sister back over uh, to be with her family as they go home today. So anyway, uh, thank you so much for uh, your concern. I did, uh, I did bring a pie, though, uh, and I want you to know that the apple pie that I've brought has been in our family since... 9.30 this morning. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not in a Walmart. It's in a Whole Foods uh, wrapper. So if Wayne lets it go for less than $10, I want you to know. I want, I want to know. I want you to tell me. Wayne, Wayne's a spec. He's certainly going to bend $10 on it, right? <clears throat> so anyway, but it's uh, so good to be with you, and what a, what a great richness today. Um, you know, you're um, making a very big decision today about the future of our church. And I just ask you to obey this process in prayer, even uh, during the service, but also in the months ahead um, as you select a pastor search committee. We heard from our children as we began, can it get any better? And then there's an army of folks back there working, uh, have been working for some time uh, for the lunch today. and. Lots of young folks dressed up, ready to serve, and, and so on. Uh, the Lord is good. It's so good to see um, this picture of your church's life and vitality this morning. It's a, such, such a blessing. I want to proclaim to you the kingdom of God. That should not be a surprise to you if you've been listening for the last few weeks. And also, yes, just to complete the idea... I want to suggest that we are children of God, and this King Jesus invites us in to share his status as a true son and invites us to be sons and daughters. If you would find your way to Mark, the fourth chapter, and as you find your way, I'll remind you that in chapter three, at the very end of that chapter, we have what could almost be a sort of tense scene. Jesus is speaking, teaching to a group, but his family shows up outside and knocks on the door. I don't think they're just paying a call or reminding Jesus to come home for dinner. I think the idea from this text is that they're calling him home. He's out there on a ledge, speaking bold and beautiful things, but they're kind of worried. 
they think he might have sort of gone too far and they're calling him home, maybe to pre prever uh, prevent uh, a future embarrassment. Jesus, we don't know the interchange, but apparently sniffs them, leaves them at the door and stays in the group and in the meeting and then goes so far as to say this, you want to know who my real mother, my real brothers and sisters are. Those who love the kingdom, live the kingdom, long for the kingdom. It's folks who hear my teaching and belong to the kingdom. That's my real family. You see, this sonship thing is not just something I'm finding here and there. It's rather stubborn. He goes from this remarkable scene to a series of stories he tells. We'll read the first of those stories in Mark, the fourth chapter. Will you follow along as I read for you verse 1 of chapter 4? On another occasion, Jesus began to teach by the lake, and the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into the boat, and he set it out on the lake while the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell among the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where, there, uh, where it did not have much soil. And it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. And they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew, it produced a crop. The yield is unimaginable, do you see it? 30, 60, even a hundredfold. Then Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. But when he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. And he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those outside, everything said in parables. So that, and here's a mysterious quote from the Old Testament, they may ever see, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. These words from Isaiah. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand the parable? <laughs> if you don't understand this one, the idea is, how will you understand any of the parables? Then he launches into an explanation. Can I just say before we read the explanation, those are some really mysterious words that Jesus quotes from Isaiah. And the loose hatchet paraphrase for another sermon, another day, another conversation is something like this. I think Jesus speaks 
in guarded terms about the kingdom, especially to outsiders, because he does not want us to come to a premature sort of judgment. It's a bigger decision than buying insurance or buying a car. And he doesn't want us to come to this uh, capricious sort of uh, coming uh, to this matter. Uh, It's a serious sort of matter, and he does not want you to rush in some immature fashion to it. And so he speaks with this indirect language. These parables you sort of have to try on and ponder and maybe even live in for a while and think through. And then the lessons of the kingdom, I think, start to come to you. It's a momentous, a momentous question about your life. And he wants to prevent a feeble and unsure, uninformed, unreflective response as to the, the apostles. Well, God bless them. Uh, all the gospels show that they are at times way behind. Of course, we would understand they're way behind. Catching up with Jesus and what he's talking about demands a lot. But goodness sake, Mark just wears them out. Mark shares warts and all. It's not a pretty picture. So often he lays something out for them, hoping they'll get it, and they don't get it. They just don't get it. Now we'll, we can be hard on them, but of course, I, su- I suppose somebody more mature looks at us and say, hmm, they, they just don't get us, right? But you can't get over the fact that Mark's disciples here are so slow. And uh, he's trying to coach them along to be further along in the kingdom and, and kind of using buffers to make sure people understand before they make progress. And yet he's got to help his own circle make progress because they're slow. Some people read this gospel and really with a a very informed way. And they think the gospel is intended to show that the disciples are not the good soil because they just don't get it. I think that's maybe a, a little too hard on them. At the same time, their slowness requires an explanation that helps us all. So back to the text. Here's his explanation. The farmer sows the word. And some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and snatches it, takes it away. So that the word, uh, takes the word that was sown in, in them. Others are like seeds sown in rocky places. They hear the word, and at once they receive it, even with joy. But since they do not have root, they last only for a very short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among the thorns, hear the word, But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, do you hear that? The deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for uh, other things come in and they choke the word, making it unfruitful. And others like seeds sown on good soil 
They hear the word. They accept it. And it produces a crop. 30, 60, even 100 times what is sown. There are several other short parables in this chapter. I'll uh, reflect on those before we're all together done. But first, let's take this parable before us. And let's just see it in light of the slowness of the disciples and maybe some other motifs in the whole gospel. I think the idea where to gather here is how often and how common things go wrong in the broadcasting and the showing and sowing and sharing of the word. There are so many different ways that it can get lost. So many different ways. In the hardened hearts of the pathway, perhaps we're overreading, Satan can so easily come and snatch the seed. Others, for others, the reception of the word is just surface deep. There's nothing there to sustain it for any hardship. Others seem to take the word with some interest and some inclination, but yet they're not really given to the word. They're given to everything else as well. And the word is choked out and lost in a multitude of concerns. And so we read it rather somberly and soberly. It's amazing how many things go wrong when we give our witness. Wow sort of heavy I suppose we should wonder maybe with surprise not that it fails so often when we read this text but we should wonder and be surprised when anyone ever believes at all but hold on when they do believe, when they do cling to this seed and faith, when they take it to heart, they nurture it and they love it and they hold to it, a beautiful thing happens. Again, something we would never be able to anticipate. The, the kingdom is at work all around us and sometimes we get overwhelmed by how often it is rejected. The world seems to be rejecting it right and left all around us. And we could lose heart. But Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of God is here to give us an anchor. And that is we're not to be surprised when things go bad and folks see the treasure of the kingdom for what it is, or, and, or maybe fail to see it with wisdom, they see it, and then they don't love it, and they don't cling to it, and they just get lost with a jillion different ways of things going wrong. What's amazing is by the grace of God, God helps some of us grasp it, and see it for what it is. And when it does take root, it bears a fruit that is frankly beyond our ability to calculate. Its yield 
is more than anyone could ever uh, uh, predict. It's more than anybody could ever appreciate. And this, I think, lesson makes perfect sense in light of what Jesus is saying about the kingdom throughout this gospel. You see, Jesus is not the first person to talk about God ruling. Uh, lots of folks have been um, envisioning uh, all the prophets are full of this sort of talk and look about how God is going to bring this resolution to the world. God will rule one day. He will reclaim his world. The amazing thing, though, with Jesus is, Jesus says, it's already started. That's the amazing thing. It's already started. Now, you might look around in Jesus' day and, and kind of wonder, well, where is it? Where is it? And frankly, there are times it seems hidden and cryptic and imperceptive to us. But Jesus says, don't miss it. Don't miss it. It is present. And it is powerful. And yes, when we broadcast it and we share it, so often, so often people reject it. They seem to lose it, discard it, spend it, waste it as not understanding the treasure and the life promise that it is. And we're not to be overwhelmed. We're not to be burdened. We're not to lose our faith or our stride or our confidence. We understand the kingdom is mysterious it takes god's work in our life and faith in our life to come to it but we hold this promise when we do cling to it and when we love it and when we cherish it and when we prioritize it and when we see it for the treasure it is it brings a reward that is just frankly unimaginable if you look down in another paragraph here in the chapter you'll see in verse 26 a, a little meditation it's it's subtle and a little tricky the big picture is easy uh, it's God that does the growing of the kingdom it's not you and I it's not about how winsome or how able we are. Uh, it, it, it's uh, humbling, but you can't manipulate the kingdom. Uh, you can't manipulate the kingdom in your own family. You, you can't marshal the kingdom. You can't produce the kingdom. But you can sow. You can plant. You can bear witness. There are times when there are seeds that lay largely unnoticed. In one sense, they're right in mind's eye. You, you see them. You, you could see them every day, but you may not notice it. And yet, you go by and you're unaware of the remarkable thing that's happening in the kingdom. A seed that is planted, and perhaps even the idea behind this little paragraph, it's, it's neglected. Uh, it, it's not looked after. Uh, there's nothing that can be done to, to save it on its own. And the remarkable thing is this. God does the work of the kingdom. And then almost in a surprise, as if though we didn't know better, Sometime along the way, we look over there and see that plant. And there it is, the kingdom bearing fruit. 
and a rich display of the kingdom right there before our eyes. And all along, I just have to tell you, all along, all along, this is why we need to pray the Lord's Prayer. All along, the kingdom has been at work and God has been growing the kingdom. The last parable is the parable of the mustard seed. It's something familiar to you, I, I, I do believe. In Jesus' day, it's just a small little seed of no account. But you've had things like this maybe in your garden. Maybe not as dramatic as a mustard seed. But it seems so insignificant, right? I remember at our first home place, a neighbor warned me about this Beautiful little vine on our fence. He suggested that he was cutting his back with great gusto. Wanted to know if I wanted mine pulled up when I pulled up his. And I didn't have the smarts to really listen to what he was telling me. It looked pretty, I thought. And so I decided I would try to keep up with it. And sure enough, just like he warned me, like mustard seed. One week yielded, another week yielded. It, sometimes it looked like it was coming along, other times not. And all I can tell you is, this one afternoon I looked out the backyard, and it seemed like half the yard was that big vine. Right? And, and it's so impressive that this huge thing can come from this little seed. You would just never expect such a small thing it just doesn't seem like it's going anywhere and I just want to warn you do you hear me I want to warn you the kingdom of God is coming yes but the kingdom of God is already among us and it's at work among us in per perceptible ways and in ways that we don't see and we don't are not over impressed with maybe but ways that are present and abiding it's the work of God among us and you do not be discouraged that sometimes the seed that you offer does not yield the increase like you wanted. You leave the kingdom to the kingdom's work. It is God's work. And I just want to tell you, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Hear these stories. See the wisdom and the beauty of the kingdom, which sometimes looks hidden to you now. But one day, one day like mustard seed, you'll look out and you'll look up. And you'll see nothing but mustard seed. The kingdom of God will conquer. It will rule this world. And your job and my job is to love it now. To be bold and witnessed and to share it. To speak it. To sow it. To never be discouraged. But learn this lesson that though it seems at times imperceptible and sometimes unaffected, the kingdom of God is the real thing. It's here among us, it's growing, it's stirring, it's percolating, and I wanna tell you, don't bet against the kingdom of God. And don't fail to treasure it, because that thing that seems to be so almost imperceptible around us, at times hidden around us, that will come on 
And one day it'll come on gangbusters, and one day there'll come a day when you and I and everyone else in this world will never, will not be able to mistake this, that the kingdom of God now rules and triumphs and where it looked imperceptible and maybe it looked like it was being rejected, one day you'll see. It triumphs. Let's pray together. Lord, teach us. Lord, teach us to love the kingdom. Teach us to believe and trust in the kingdom. Teach us to live the kingdom. Teach us, Lord, to long and hunger for the kingdom. And Lord, give us the wisdom, stir in your spirit to move across us now, to not let our lives be invested in anything else and not let our destiny rest in anything else. Give us eyes to see that although the world seems at times to go along just fine without the kingdom, God, show us that the kingdom is already here, already working, already yielding. And give us the wisdom to see that one day there'll be nothing worth anything at all that's not kingdom. Lord, make us wise. Some this morning, wise unto salvation. Call us to believe you and trust you with our whole lives. Call us all as your church family to love the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.